Hello. It's good to sing with you. Listen as I read Exodus 20, verses 3 and 4. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God. So I have to ask you tonight, do you have any idols? Do you serve anything? Do you bow down and worship anything? And in my life, hockey, athletics, was this idol. If I... If practice went well and I did good, guess what? My day, wow, it's great. This is a great day. If practice went bad or game went bad, wow, this is a terrible day. If the team partied and got drunk, okay, that's what I live for. That's what I do too. And if people didn't help me achieve this goal of hockey and getting to the top, get out of my way because I have no time for you, whether it was family or friends. And so, if you could turn with me, turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 3. And it says, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, And hating one another. This was so true of my life. Serving various lusts. Whatever I could get. Whatever whatever I thought was great. That's what I did. Whether it was getting drunk. Or or buying and selling gear constantly. I thought. Well if I had this this equipment. this, This stick or whatever. And that would make me better. I don't care if I don't have the money. I'll somehow get the money. Whether it's using my parents credit card or not. For it. Envious and hating one another. I was a goaltender when I played hockey. And so whenever I watched another goalie that was maybe against me or at a tournament, it was always, man, that guy, he sucks at this or he doesn't do good at that. And so it just tries to lift me up. Just always envious and and hating one another. And in John 6, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. So that's the guy I That's what I lived for. That's what was all about what I wanted was success. And I'm going to tell you a story of what God did in my life and changed my life. And these are just some big highlights, some big things. But there was many other seeds planted. There was many. There was people at Grace Bible Church where I grew up that shared the gospel with me, that talked to me about God. There was my family, uh, my family are Christians, and they would faithfully bring me to Awanas. But here are some major points. I went to Clydehurst Christian Ranch, and I didn't go there in order to study the Bible or even care about the Bible, but I went there to go spend time with a good friend, Dylan Radovich, who is often here and sitting among us. And I actually met my then-girlfriend, now-wife, Callie, there. And afterward, because there was the Bible and it was kind of cool to look at the end of chapel, we started reading the Bible together. And I don't know why we picked this to this day, but we started in Proverbs. And I'm not sure why we did that, but I can really remember that. 
And throughout our relationship, we talked on the phone, and if you've ever seen those little daily bread, uh, little devotionals, they tell you to read this passage, and then it talks about it a little bit. And I didn't really want any part of it because I served hockey, not God. And so uh, at least we had something to talk about on the phone. As our relationship, we dated for four years and three of it was long distance. And so this hockey idol took me to Michigan. And I went to Michigan to go where there's many D1 schools and many good teams, which is which is true, if you've ever been to Michigan and you want to play hockey, go there because there's some really good AAA under-18 teams. And we played a 60-game schedule, and it was a terrible year. In fact, I think we won four games. Do you know how long of a season that is? That's 60 games. You're going somewhere. I, I arrived in Michigan at like the middle of August, and I didn't leave till April, and we won four games. It was a terrible season. And then I stayed that summer to skate with pro guys. I skated with guys that you would see on TV, in fact. I skated with Division I players all summer long. And then a coach called me in Great Falls, Montana. And he said, hey, if you come and play for us, you don't have to pay a dime. You just come and play for us. You'll be our starting goal. You'll play a lot. And why I left Michigan, where there's D1 schools in the city I was playing, To go to Great Falls, I think you're going to see the end result and why I'm standing here today. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, you want to be recruited to go D1? Well, don't go to Montana because that's exactly why I left and then I came back. Well, about a quarter of a way through that season, our coach got fired and I got traded to Oregon. And I played there for one week. And I stayed with a Christian family. And for the first time, I got to talk about things of God with them. That I mean, I talked with Callie a little bit in the Daily Bread, but since I didn't really want to talk about it, just gave us something to talk about, I didn't really care. But this is the first time that somebody, I sat down and we could talk about things of God. And during that week, I got a phone call. I had a, I had a message on my phone when I woke up one morning, and they said, hey, it's here at the rink and the team, and we need to talk because you owe us some money. And so I went, okay. I, you know, I, I, was getting, I didn't have to pay anything when I was in Great Falls, but I got traded to a team where it's a different league and a different set of rules. And for the first time, I can remember talking to my dad on the phone and telling him how much money that, that I owed, and my parents weren't doing very well financially. And for the first time after this terrible last season in Michigan and then going to Great Falls and not doing that well and then getting traded to Oregon. And I just said, you know, it's really not worth it. And so that was the end of my hockey career. And if you remember what I said at the beginning, my idol had just crumbled and fell apart. I did everything that I could. And so I moved back home here to Bozeman. And I started reading the Bible a little bit more. And it led me to a summer job here in town where I had a pretty good relationship with some of the staff, but I I would make inappropriate jokes with some of the male staff joking around. And one time I made a, a joke and the guy called me out for it. And I 
blew it off. No, that, that couldn't have been me. I really didn't say that. Well, then my boss got involved and they really started pressing the issue. And for the first time, I had to come to grips with, am I really as wicked as what just came out of my mouth? And in Mark 7, 21 through 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and talking how it's not what on the outside of the man that defiles the man, but it's what comes out of him, the wickedness. And in the midst of that, if we look in Psalm 32, we see David saying that God's hand was heavy upon him. And for the first time, I was really convicted of sin. I mean, I couldn't sleep at night and I couldn't find joy in anything. I mean, I was heavy. I mean, it was heavy upon me. And in that middle, I'm, am I really this wicked? I can remember asking God, am I really this wicked? And so it drove me to the word of God. It drove me to see, can I even be forgiven? And in that time, God was gracious and I got a book called Follow Me by David Platt, asking the tough questions in Scripture. When Jesus says, like in Luke 6, if you, if you want to come after me, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. Like dying to self, looking at some of those passages and, and, and searching them out and explaining them. And for the first time, he also made the point that it's God who has sought after us. See, I read the Bible trying to, after realizing my own wickedness, I read the Bible as if, okay, if I read this and I do this, then I'm going to be good enough and I'm really not that wicked. Kind of suppress some of that guilt and that, that, that difficulty. But then I saw that it was God who, who initiated this all along. And so if we continue in Titus 3, I hope you're still there. If we look at verse 4, through 8, it says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Sorry, it was only through verse 7. For the first time, it was God who was making this initiation. And I can, be, I can remember getting so hit hard by that, that I was reading that book in, at my house and I dropped to my knees and I said, God, you're the one who's pursued me all along. Your hand has been heavy upon me. You sent the Lord Jesus Christ for sinners. And we just read that Romans 5 passage. For even a, a, a good man, someone would die, but while we were enemies, Christ died, Right? And that's where I surrendered. I said, you are, you're the one that's pursued me all along. You're the one that's initiated it. And so I have to ask you tonight, what about you? 
What about you? Are you, are you like me? Who, well, I can't really be that wicked. And maybe I'll, I'll go to the Bible and I'll, I'll look to try to clean myself up instead of just coming to Jesus Christ knowing that He was the one that bore the sin on the cross. He was crushed. Instead of cleaning yourself up, listen to Jesus' word. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Since that day of of surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ, that was two months before Callie and I's wedding, and I had the privilege of getting baptized by a dear brother, Warren Hebert, the week of our wedding. It was Sunday and we got married on Thursday. A special time with a good friend, Noah and Garrett as well. And ever since that that day where I surrendered and I saw that it was God who's been doing the work all along, I can remember some Christians talking as I was early on, uh, knowing the Lord, and some Christians talk and say, well, what about so-and-so, and fill in the blank, often we say Africa, that have never heard the gospel. And maybe I should have thought more, but I just blurted it out. Well, why don't we go to them? Isn't that kind of our problem? Isn't that what we should be doing? And so this global outreach conference is very dear to, to my wife and I's heart. Because that's where we desire to do. We desire to go places and share the gospel that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That He initiated it. That He says, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so, I really enjoy Spurgeon, so I'm going to read a quote that always spurs me on. If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go there unwarned or unprayed for. And so my challenge tonight to you who know the Lord is will you go? We're studying evangelism. Will you go and tell the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? Thanks for listening to my testimony.